All right, so today I want to pull away from our Matthew series and talk about our purpose as a church. We're going to do it during four weeks, but it's going to take us about four months because I'm only going to do it one week out of the month. So I want to concentrate on the first part of this purpose statement. I, I don't tell this often uh, because it's sort of old news to me, so it, I'm not reminded of it. Right now I'm reminded of how this came about. Uh, a long time ago, the staff and I were together praying earnestly that God would direct us as a staff because we believe that one day all of us are going to stand before Jesus and he's going to bear an accounting of our life, what is done in this body. And those resources that he's entrusted to us, he is going to call an accounting of those. So I'm like, okay, we need to get together and pray how, how God wants to hold us or what God will hold us accountable to. What are those things? And so we decided that these were the things that were most important for us as a church that Christ was calling us to, that he would call us to connect people to Christ and his church. And he was calling us to grow people in their faith so that they would become disciples who would be disciplers, and that we would equip people to serve, and that would be offered in various ways through missions and ministries, uh, through worship. And all of that would be unto God's glory. So you could reduce all that down to four words and say, what we do is we connect, we grow, we serve, and we glorify. And now I want to just focus on that top portion there and, uh, and concentrate there. Meadowbrook seeks to connect people to Christ and his church. Grow them as disciples to be disciples and equip them to serve through missions, ministry, and worship, all to glorify God. So let's talk about what it means to connect people to Christ. On Barna.com, which is George Barna's resource online, he says in 1993, 89% of Christians who had shared their faith agreed this, this is a responsibility for every Christian. Well, today, that's down to 64%. People who are sharing their faith, only 64% of them believe it's a Christian's responsibility to do so. There's a disconnect there. We've lost about a quarter of the populace of Christians who say, you know, sharing my faith really isn't my responsibility. I don't know where we've gone awry, but we've gone awry in that. We are God's intention of making the good news known. You, you do know that God is not going to write the gospel in the sky. God is not going to commission angels to come and share the gospel message. God relies on the church. It's his plan that we would be his body, that we would be his mouth, and we would be the ones communicating the gospel. So if the gospel is going to come forth, it will be because the people of God choose to move it forward. So you and I need to get realigned biblically to recognize it is our responsibility because God has given it only to us to be communicators of the gospel. Now, you and I probably know that, and if you're going to walk out of here, I want you not to be, um, I don't want you to be so tweaked that you're not doing something that God intends for you to do. I'm just going to bear the account that we all struggle in this. Now, unless you have a gift of evangelism, for those of you who are gifted in evangelism, supernaturally God works through you in an evangelistic way, great. We are so thankful for you. The rest of us, it's the work of evangelism right? I mean, am I just being honest? 
We have to work at it. It doesn't come so easy for us. I was telling a life group today as I was sitting down with Kay and them, you know, me standing up here, I didn't get nervous before I got up here. It didn't bother me to stand up here and begin teaching. I'm well prepared for what I'm going to share with you today. I'm not nervous about that, but if you ask Kay to come up and share the message that I've already prepared, it's right here on the the podium, she would have a cardiac arrest right there in, in the first pew. Uh, because it's not her gift. It doesn't come naturally to her. It comes naturally to me. All right, God has made us individually unique. And he manifests himself in different ways for different people. Some of you have a gift of evangelism. It's your burning desire to see people come to faith. And you are eager to share the gospel with as many people as you can on any given day. Any given day. For the rest of us, We have to say things like this, God, please open my eyes and give courage to my heart. God, please help me to be initiative in this. Help me to be very uh, driven in this. I want to honor you and I want to love people. So help me. That's, That's where the majority of us are. So I want to speak to us today with, okay, we recognize this is a responsibility that God has given to us and it's not easy for all of us. So what kind of things do we need to put in our life that we might connect people to Christ and his church? What are some things that you and I can do? Well, I know this. By God's word, he says that we can live filled with the Holy Spirit. That's where we start. We don't learn verses that we're going to share with somebody. We don't learn a diagram. Let me just show you this and, and try to convince them of faith. The first thing that we do is say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In fact, God says it very specifically to us, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, to be filled with the Holy Spirit uh, means that we are controlled by Him, that His work is continually in us. We are influenced by Him. And in doing so, God, who fills us by His Spirit, will begin to manifest Himself, or as the Bible puts it, bears fruit in our lives. And what does that look like? The fruit of being filled with the Spirit includes nine characteristics. All of them collectively is the fruit of being filled with the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But now let me ask you, when you watch the news and when you open the paper, read the news, when you're looking online or when you're hearing things that are going on in the world, how much of the fruit of the Spirit are you seeing? How much are you hearing? Because if you're like me, I've turned off the news a good while ago. I just kind of summarize it all now and ask the Lord what I need to know. But if I do engage in that, then I'm saying, Lord, there's not a lot of love in this world. And Lord, there's a whole lot of unhappiness in this world. And I see people who are mainly impatient as they're working through life. And there's a whole lot of abruptness and rudeness and there's a lot of evil going on and faithlessness and there is just this brashness in today's world and there is just a a loss of self-restraint. God, I'm seeing in this world everything but the fruit of the Spirit. All right, now you, you and I can move towards being a downer in that, but here's what God says. Perfect. That means that if you're filled with my Spirit, you'll stand out all the more. You will be the the opposite of what the world is living with and engaging with, you will be the light in the midst of the darkness. So, okay, Lord, fill us with your spirit. 
and let us be submissive to you in the filling so that we can demonstrate these things and we might bear a beautiful light in the world. You know, as I've grown older and more mature, which is a weird thing to say because the more mature I get, the more immature I realize I am. Are you like that? The more I draw close to Jesus, the more how, how distant I feel from him at times. And the more I get to know his word, the more I recognize you don't know squat. <laughs> Anybody else like that? Okay, but anyway, the more seasoned and mature I'm getting, the more I'm recognizing the expression of our living is often from the influence that we have received. The influence. Now, if you're a parent, you get that. Because you tell your kids all the time, you are becoming who you are hanging out with. I, I've, in some version, said that to all my boys. You have to be so careful who you're hanging out with because the influence of those people you hang out with will become the expression of your life. In fact, it could go the opposite. If you're not intentional about being uh, influencing of God's holiness in the lives of your friends and co-workers, then they are influencing you negatively. You have to be so radically intentional about being an influencer for the holiness and the glory of God about who you're with. So uh, most parents, grandparents get that, that the influence is really important, those people around you. But the influence, by and large today, that is most ex um, extensive is media. And you think about it, you can, you can identify the media however it hits you. It could be TV, it could be the internet, it could be blogs and podcasts, or it could be the readings that you have, it could be social media. Media has a great impact in the expression of our life. And, and I would go as to say, as a parent would, you are becoming what is influencing you. Now, if that's the case, you and I have to be super guarded about what is influencing us because if you're taking in four or five hours of tv in a day the influencer is from the world and that influence is not going to be good you're going to take on the characteristics of that influence now the opposite could be true you could say okay lord i really want to express the kingdom of god i really want to express the presence of christ in me and the word of god that means that you and I have to be very specific about the daily intake, the daily influence of God's Word. Uh, Kay and I are in the habit of being in God's Word on a regular basis, and I'm just going to tell you, she needs it, <laughs> and so does her husband. <laughs> we both need it urgently, uh, and we recognize that. So every day, we're intaking God. Let me just reframe that. There are some days that we just have rough days and we don't, we don't do the reading, and so we have to double up the next day. That's just confession. Anybody else want to make that confession? All right, go and sin no more. Uh, there you go. But most days, we have a daily intake of God's Word, and when we read it, we give ourselves time that we can meditate on it. Because we don't want to just read it and say, okay, God, I've read your Word. But we want to read it and say, okay, God, speak to my heart. Let me take time to think about this. Let me take time to make some notes about this. And at the conclusion of that time, let me take time to pray about this. Lord, your word is influencing our mind and heart today. And Kay and I want to be submissive to you. So these things, let them be evident in us. Let us be given to that. 
And then throughout the day, we want to have spiritual conversation with other people about that. Throughout the day, we want to be in a constant dialogue with God through the Spirit, that we might be engaged in prayer about that. We, we want to exercise that. And why is that important? Because the influence is the expression of our living. Now, hands off the wheel of your life, if you're just going to allow the world to influence you, then you're going to go the way of the world. But with your hands to the wheel, steering your life in the direction of holiness, then you're going to say, okay, God, I'm going to put some parameters in the influences of my life because I don't want to become like that. And I'm going to elevate the influence that is holy and godly and right among the, the life of Christ and his people. I'm going to elevate that in my life because that's what I want to become. Your being here today is part of that. You've determined that your time in this morning is better spent in this place under the instruction of God's word and in the celebration and the worship of Jesus Christ than any other influence. You could have gone other places, but you chose here. All right, somebody, somebody chose it for you, but you're here. And, and kudos to you because you're recognizing the impact that this influence can have on you. And I would say the more you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit the more you and I can have a greater opportunity to share the good news of Christ with other people. Because we're different. We stand out as light in the midst of darkness. So be conditioned by the Holy Spirit and thereby be transformed by Him. 1 Peter 3, 5, 1 Peter 3 15 and 16 says this, You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. What I would say is the more we live out the expression of being filled with the Holy Spirit, the more people are going to ask us about the hope. And the more privilege we have to share of the hope that we have in Christ. So let's start with being filled by the Holy Spirit. Second, let's live with gospel intentionality. Let's just live with gospel intentionality. Living with gospel int intentionality is essential for us to have the greatest impact that God has called us to have, already planned before we were born, to have. We can't live in this flow of the culture and have great gospel impact. You are not going to be able to live in the life of the culture and impact people for the kingdom of God. You've got to live with intentionality, and, and the Spirit of God will help you to do that. Consider the eternal destiny of everybody you come in contact with. Now, the culture says, look at their clothes. The culture says, look at the way they are. The culture says, listen to them. And the culture says, eh, you're not going to really like them. They're not like you. One who is filled with the Holy Spirit gives interest to the soul of the person. Who is this person that God has made uniquely? Who is this one that God longs to have a relationship with? Who is this one that God has sent His Son to rescue from the judgment that is to come? Who is this person? See them with that kind of intentionality. And be eager to move that person by witnessing to them about life in Jesus Christ. So I'd say each morning, might we rise up and say, God, today I want to have gospel impact. Today, I want to have impact for the gospel. I want to share the truth of Jesus Christ with somebody. I want to have an expression of the biblical truth with somebody. It's my intention to do that. What if everyone in this room got up in the morning and said, Good morning, Lord. I give you honor and glory and worship, 
And the measure of that today is I intend to be a gospel-impacting individual. I want to see everybody in light of their soul. Help me, Father, to do that by your Spirit. Help me to have this movement with intentionality towards people. Now, if you're not careful, you and I will kind of put that off and say, you know, the greatest impact is going to be sometime down the road. When I get things sort of more in order, then I can have gospel impact. Can I just tell you, you will not have better gospel impact of the people around you than today. Today's the day. If you're a sophomore in high school and you're thinking, well, maybe I'm a senior, I can have gospel impact. I'm telling you, you are missing the gospel impact that God wants you to have today. Your greatest measure of gospel impact as a sophomore is right now in your sophomore year. And if you're in your workforce and you're thinking, well, you know, if I get that raise or if I get that position and I go into that place, then I can have greater gospel impact. No, no, no. The greatest opportunity for you to have gospel impact is in the job you're in around the people that God has placed in your vicinity. In your neighborhood, you don't know if the for sale sign's going up with your neighbor tomorrow. Today is the greatest opportunity for you and me to have neighborhood gospel impact. Don't put it off. To put it off is to play the devil's game. And I can tell you, he will lead you all the way to silence as your friends and your coworkers and your neighbors and your classmates go to hell. You and I must have gospel intentionality every day saying, Lord, today, let me have an impact for the kingdom of God to those who need it around me. You're going to put me in position and places around people. God, please fill my heart, fill my mind with courage. Let me be strong in your word and have real gospel impact. Your impact and influence is for the people that God has placed around you today. I would encourage us to do that. Then number three. Let's view people and their need for the gospel in light of biblical truths. Now, I'm not going to give you a, a presentation to memorize when you go home. I'm not going to give you a number of verses that you ought to have in your heart that you can share them with somebody. I just want to incline you to the biblical truths for sharing the gospel. Many people start with sharing the gospel in various ways, and I would say that that's good. Go in the way the Holy Spirit is leading you. Paul did it radically different almost every time. He's hanging out over by the river, and he sees a lady who's praying to the God of the Old Testament. He comes up beside her, and he begins a conversation with her that results in her understanding more about Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Or he goes into the synagogue where there's some grounding, some rootedness in the Old Testament Scripture. And he goes from there and he begins to apply the truth of the prophets about who Jesus Christ is. Or he's amongst a bunch of pagans who are worshiping various gods and they have one shrine to the unknown God. And he goes to them and without using a single verse of the Old Testament, he tells them about Jesus the Messiah. So there's various ways that you can do this. I'm not going to tell you which way you ought to do it, but here's where I know it starts. Every time people they need to understand the biblical, un, the biblical truths about the gospel, and it starts not with God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. It starts with this. God is holy and you are not. God demands holiness of all of his people, all of his created people. He demands that of us. He, we have a, uniquely amongst all creation been made in his image. And he says, in the likeness of me, I have made you. Now you be holy as I am holy. And yet we're unholy. 
The Bible says we fall desperately short of that holiness. And that's where we start. Now, I know people say, well, Randy, you're not going to convince anybody. It's not my job to convince a single soul. It's the Holy Spirit's job to do that. It's my job just to utter the truth. And the truth is that God is holy. Listen, when Isaiah was given a vision into heavens about God, or maybe it was there, here's what he said. The seraphim who were there created for God and His purposes were declaring the holiness of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory, they said. Now notice they didn't say loving, loving, loving or gracious, gracious, gracious. Instead, they talked about His holiness. They understood the holiness of God and, and the fact that you and I are not. You remember what Isaiah says after he understands the holiness of God? Woe is me for I'm undone. In other words, I'm a dead man because I've come into the place of holiness. So the Bible wants us to understand that, that that God is holy and we're not. From the beginning, in Genesis, God recognizes that and puts it into words. He says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, And the Lord God saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Later, Jeremiah the prophet had it this way, saying, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then God answers the question. He says, I'll tell you who can understand the heart of man. I can, God says. I search the heart and test the mind and give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of their deeds. In other words, mankind is separated from God by sin, and every sin is going to have to be accounted for by every person who has ever lived. And God says, that's just a truth. That's where we start, to help people to discover the holiness of God and our unholiness. You say, Randy, won't you get more flies with honey? Listen, here's the case. The truth, the radical truth is God is holy and man is not, even though God commands it of him. The fact is God sent his only son in the flesh who lived for 33 years with perfect holiness never sinned a single fraction of a sin all the commands of God were perfectly obeyed and he did it with great intentionality why because one day he would be suspended between God and mankind on a wooden cross in Calvary and he would bear the weight of all of our sin all that justice that God is going to pour out and all that wrath that God rightfully pours out against the sin of mankind Jesus had upon himself and God poured out his wrath on him such that Jesus said my God my God why have you forsaken me I'll tell you why he's forsaken him because God is holy and man's sin is not and there needs to be a solution to that and Jesus is the solution he's the perfect mediator between God and man so it starts with this understanding of God is holy and man is not but God has made provision for unholy man and aren't we grateful for that listen God is holy and women are not as God has made provision for unholy women God is holy and children are not and God has made a provision for children This is the good news. This is the gospel. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It's a gift from God. So when people understand this grand gift, this gift in Jesus, then my friends, they are moving towards faith. Let me finish with these two quick points. Let's love people enough 
to share the good news with them. It's really not about duty and responsibility as much as it is about love. For God said, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others. Sharing the good news of Christ is loving them. So I'd say first, we ought to be filled with the love of God. He'll do that. He'll fill you with an unconditional love for people. And there are going to be some that it will require God's filling for you to have that love. Let him fill you with his love. See people as deeply loved by God. You might not like their attitude and you might not like their actions, but you can love them and see them as loved by God. For God loves the heart and soul of every individual. I'm reminded of John 3.16, probably the most famous of all verses, for God so loved the world. Not a single person that God doesn't love. Now, there might be some that you don't like, but God loves those individuals. And ask Him to help you to see them with that kind of love. Number three in that, understand that you can love the soul of the person without loving their actions, what they do, what they stand for, what, the way they live. You can love the soul of the individual. God certainly does. Ask God to allow you to see the people and love them as he sees them and loves them to that measure. Ask him for that. It's a great gift for him to do that. And then be willing to suffer for the sake of others that they might come to know Jesus Christ. One of the most outstanding passages, really astounding passages in Scripture, is Romans 9, where Paul says of those who are lost in his own community, he says, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. Listen to this. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Oh, that you and I would have such an urgency to be willing to give up anything and everything in order that people would be saved. What a heart we need. A heart of compassion like that of Christ and what was demonstrated by Paul. And then finally, know this, that God rewards people who live their lives intentionally with the gospel message. There is a great reward coming. In fact, in the end, all things are going to be brought before God for all Christians, and all that we have done is going to be tested. And that which is genuine, that which is uh, holy, that which is purposeful in God's kingdom, that which is eternal, is going to survive that testing. It's said to be like that of precious metals, of gold and silver, and everything else is burned away. I can tell you with all certainty, the souls that come to faith in Jesus Christ because of your faithful witness is going to last eternally as a reward unto you. It's going to be yours. Paul said it of the Thessalonica people, for what is our hope, our joy, our crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. So may the Lord Jesus and his great message be revealed through you in life and in word and through me. And may it be the crown that God places upon us for all eternity by being one to share the gospel good news. Now let's pause and pray.
your head bowed and your eyes closed, there's one of two ways this message may have struck you. Number one, maybe you're without the Savior, and you've recognized today that God is holy and you're not, and you're going to have to account and pay for every sin ever committed as God's wrath comes against sin. And maybe that today caught your attention. And you're wondering, what will I do on that day? Well, I can tell you that day can be radically different for those who place their faith in Jesus. That He is the Savior, the one to take away your sin and give you His righteousness. Your faith can be in Him. That God has sent His Son to be your reconciler. And maybe today God has brought you to this place for you to have that simple understanding of God I trust you. I trust you for my heart and my life and for eternity and for today. And I surrender all things to you. I choose from this day forward to live unto you, not for me, but you. So help me, God, I pray. Or maybe God has brought you into this place as one who has been redeemed by his son, but yet you have held back that gospel message to others. And today, He's saying, let me pour my spirit in you, my love in you, my truth in you, so that you might pour it out to other people. And your prayer might be something like this. Father, thank you for entrusting me with your gospel message. Thank you for using me from this day forward to be a proclaimer of your truth. Help me to be bold and courageous. Help me to be giving and loving. Help me to see people as you see people and take the opportunities to address the deep spiritual needs of people. I pray this trusting in Jesus.